had an interesting chat yesterday afternoon. Somebody I'd never spoken to before. Her name is Nell. Uh, she called me, and, and I didn't recognize the number, but we were sitting out in the garden, burning. <laughs> and, um, and I saw the phone go, I thought, oh, I've missed that call a few times, I better pick it up. And it was a number, as I say, I didn't recognize. So I answered the phone, and it turns out Nell was calling me from my college at university, who are on a fundraising drive. Very exciting. I think they're looking to raise about 20 million. And I said I probably couldn't help with that quantity. But uh, we talked about my giving uh, potentially 10 pounds a month. Anyway, I had this conversation. And that was clearly what the sort of uh, the purpose of the conversation was, even from the outset. But it may be just for small talk or maybe just to frame the conversation more broadly. Nell started by asking me some questions about myself. And I was drawn in. There's nothing I like talking about more than myself. So she asked me what I'd been doing since I left university and those sorts of things. She asked me a bit about what I did now. I told her that I was a vicar, that I'd moved to Nottingham with my family and some others to start a church. That intrigued her. She's a fourth year English student doing an MPhil. She clearly likes narrative and stories, so she asked me more and more questions. She asked me specifically, what did I do? Why did I do it? She said, uh, she asked me, what are we trying to do with the church? And I sort of told her a bit about our vision. I told her about our desire, our intention, our hope to see this place as an urban monastery, a, a center of worship in the middle of a city that blesses the whole city. I was able to talk to her about that. We got into this conversation which began about fundraising and 40 minutes later, <laughs> I put the phone down. It was, I, it was a trip down memory lane. I went back sort of 15 years almost in time as I was thinking about some of my experiences and recounting them to her. It is so important to remember. It is so important to remember. It is so easy to forget. When we lose the power to remember, we lose something essential uh, something central to our humanity is, as those of us who have seen people suffering uh, with dementia and Alzheimer's understand that there's something central to who we are that's attacked in that space. But remembering is not just a, an important part of, of being a human, though it is. It's also a really important part of being a person of faith. We can't be a person of faith in God without remembering, without actively pursuing a practice of remembering. We need to constantly remember God. And actually, uh, Christians are a, a memorial people. The Bible, as Will taught us last week, is a memorial book. It's a book. It's a book of remembering. What we do as we read the Bible is we remember as we read, we remember what God has done, what he's been up to for generations and generations, and it sparks faith in his faithfulness. The Bible is a memorial book. Uh, people all the way through the Bible have had memorial practices. The Sabbath, as we read in Deuteronomy, is a practice about remembering. The point of the Sabbath, Sabbath was to take a day to focus on remembering God. Remembering God's creative act. Remembering that after he created, he, he rested. 
and to practice that remembering by resting with him, but also to remember his salvation, to remember for the Israelites, to remember that he, he rescued them, not just that he rested, but he rescued them from slavery. And as they rested, they were to remember God. And the reason that Christians worship on Sunday rather than have a Sabbath on Saturday is because the earliest Christians said, well, look, that Jesus, that resurrection thing you did, that deserves to be the center, the beginning and therefore, the working week or the week has always begun on a Sunday today because, uh, because of our work calendars. We think the, work, the week starts on Monday. No, it starts on Sunday. The first day of the week is Sunday because Christians have said, no, this is the center point. We're going to take a day to remember what God has done. That's why we're gathered here this morning, in case you were wondering. Israel and the church have had festivals to remember. Today, what we want to do Let's take a step out of our basic series, although this is a pretty fundamental basic for us, and talk about remembering and look back on what God has done for us. Deuteronomy is a book. I know when you heard the readings from Deuteronomy, you were just on the edge of your seat with thinking, excellent, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, my favorite. Next week, can we do Leviticus, please? Deuteronomy is a book about remembering. Now, it doesn't get a lot of radio play in the church today, but it actually is, I think, a really compelling and exciting book to read because what it essentially is is a pep talk. Moses and the people of God have, have got out of Egypt. They've been rescued from slavery in the Exodus, and they've spent a whole year at Sinai at the foot of a mountain, Moses wandering up and back down, up and back down, doing that a few times. And, and giving them the law a whole year there. And then they wander around in the wilderness because of their disobedience for 40 whole years. And they eventually get through the Jordan and to the cusp, right to the edge of the promised land. The land that God promised them all the way back when they were delivered from slavery 41 years previously. It's an incredible moment. It's a threshold moment for them. They're about to step into the new thing. But they're still standing on the edge of it. And what Moses does for them is to give them a pep talk. And the pep talk is in three sections. Basically, he reminds them of all that God has, being done, has done for them. It is a book about remembering. In fact, the word remember, the command, the imperative, remember, occurs 16 times in Deuteronomy alone. That's a lot in the context of the whole Bible. The book of Deuteronomy is all about remembering. They're ready to go in. This is where Deuteronomy begins. It's not so different from where we're at right now. God has done some amazing things in the last year. And yet, I feel certainly very keenly, we are still on the threshold of something very new. We hope in September and October, uh, around that time, to be able to worship upstairs. Our children will be worshiping in here. There'll be a whole lot of space. And there will be room for people to come and experience God in a new way in this city. That is part of vision, but that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. You see, as I said to Nell yesterday, the hope is here that this would be an urban monastery. This would be a place that everyone in the city would know this was a place they could get blessed. Everyone would say, well, near or far from God could say, I know that if I go there, I can meet with a warm welcome, a sense of God's presence, whether they're able to name that or not. This would be a source, a well, if you like, of God's presence for the whole of this city. 
That is our hope for this place. It begins with worship. It certainly doesn't end in that worship. This is about everyone. We're standing on the edge of something. And the point of the book of Deuteronomy is that the people are standing on the cusp of something very new and very fresh that was promised to them. Only the generation who saw those things happen has died out. How then are they going to be enabled to live faithfully in the story so far? How are they going to continue faithfully in the stream of what God has done if they don't know the story? If they didn't see the exodus? Only by this one thing, by remembering. So Moses reminds them. He tells them the story. He teaches them the story. He has to ensure that they don't forget. It's so easy to forget. Why is it so important that they remember? Why is it so important that we remember? Because uh, it's easy to forget. What we see is that uh, when we remember, a few things happen. When the Israelites are able to remember God, a few things are able to happen for them. And the first thing is that they are able to discover something deeply significant about who they are. Remembering is actually central to our uh, being reminded of our identity. And you see this happen at family parties, don't you? You get together with your, your family or, uh, or maybe your group of mates. You know, if you get together with your friends, your, your old friends, maybe friends from university or, or friends from school or friends from back home where you grew up or wherever it was and you get together with old buddies or family and what you start to do is you start to tell stories, don't you? You know, maybe you're in the pub or you're down the coffee shop or wherever you are in the park and you just start to tell stories. And you, I mean, what I do with my old friends is I just regress. I just regress to being about 18, whenever it was I met them, whatever it was. You talk to us, tell the old stories, all the old nicknames come out. Because there's something about remembering which reforms that bond, which reunites you, right? That's what remembering does. And remembering, therefore, is actually part of uh, discovering who we are. That's what happens with Israel. They need to hear these stories because they need to remember who they are and what God has done for them. It was the same yesterday with Nell. As I was telling her, she was drawing more and more of my story out of me. I started to develop a confidence. Wow, isn't it incredible what God has done? I started to remember who I was back then. And, and then it, I was able to see who I am today. I was able to see all that God had done. I was able to remember who I was. But when we remember, we also discover something essential about who God is. It's not just about us. It's in understanding and be, uh, hearing these stories about all that God has done that we discover God's identity as well, who God is. Israel was able to do this. And, and so as the young people were hearing these stories, what he, he rescued you out of slavery in Egypt. You, you can imagine them just standing in awe of this God who had done that for them. Above all, we need to be reminded day by day who God is. And we live in a world where uh, we're not reminded frequently. We don't have the, the luxury of a church bell on every corner to remind us. 
You know that's what they were for, right? We don't have the, uh, the luxury of, you know, uh, bosses at work saying, hey, why don't you just, why don't you spend your lunch break in, in prayer? You know, this isn't the world we live in. We have, to, we have to steal and grasp these moments of remembering. We mustn't miss them. And it's in remembering that we're reminded who God is. As we look back on our story, we're reminded of what God has done in our lives. And so we find that he is father, that he is provider, that he is rescuer. But remembering is not just about something that is uh, connected to the past. Remembering actually is all about the future. It is in remembering that we develop confidence for what's ahead. Confidence is exactly what these people need. They've received reports about the giants in the land. And they are standing on the edge of a land. It's not empty. There aren't soul signs hanging out in the promised land. They have to displace the giants before them. They're terrified. And, they, and this generation hasn't seen God's power. And what is worse, Moses isn't going in with them. What they need is confidence in God. They need to locate their confidence in a God who is bigger than all other things around them. And, and what they need to do in order to get that confidence is to remember. Remembering is as much about the future as it is the past or the present. Our future in faith depends largely on how well we remember God. You know, you know this, don't you? When you, when you forget, you know, when you're, maybe your prayer life just slips, maybe when you, uh, whatever reason, you get busy and you sort of just miss, uh, you miss God for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a couple of months, you just find it. It's, it's like there's a, a wall to climb to get into his presence. You know, we're supposed to, we're, we're people of habit. We're ritual beings as humans. We have to practice daily the presence of God. We have to remember him. And it's there, in that place of daily remembering, that our confidence comes. The key to going forward is looking back. That's what we're doing today. We're looking back. That video, I mean, it was, uh, I found it deeply moving. I thought, I thought, I'd, I thought I'd arrived at the end without, without crying, and then that, Amazing grace thing, which is a very special moment in our story. Just a reminder of all that God's done. It's very powerful. Memory is powerful. What are we to remember? What are we to remember? The first thing we're to remember is what God has said. It's interesting, just before our passage in Deuteronomy 4, uh, the first uh, time that the word remember comes up in the, in the scriptures in Deuteronomy, verse 10. We read this. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Mount Sinai, when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Remember God's words. The first thing we're to remember is what God has said to us. Specific things that God has said to us. For the Israelites, this was the promise of the law. This was the instructions that God gave them. And he said to them, look, if you follow, if you obey me in these ways, it will go well for you. And therefore, there's a stake here. Like if, if you remember this stuff, it's going to be good news for you. If you follow me, you, you'll, 
life will tend to work out better. You'll be walking in the path of my blessing. So remember, we're to remember God's words. That's the word that's given to the Israelites. But we too have to remember the things that God has said to us. Just this last Wednesday, third Wednesday, we gather here every third Wednesday to pray and worship. And, and Becca had a, 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 prophet, a prophetic word and we responded to it together. And the word was simply that there are people as part of our congregation who have received promises from God in their lives and haven't yet seen them realized. And for those people, it's time to remember and to almost to participate in them again, to lay hold of them. That's part of the life of faith. Again and again to say, God, you promised this and I haven't seen it yet. Come on. Knock on the door again and say, come on, God. To boldly, to confidently approach him and say, God, I have, it's not, this is, this is great, but it's not all that I long for. I remember when you said that. I remember when you promised that. Come on, God. I want to see you do more. This is what we have to do as God's people. We together, not just individually, but corporately remember him. And we need to do that together at days like this. What are we going to remember as Trinity Church? We're going to remember this, that he promised to pour out his presence in this place. That he said that he will glorify his name in this place. We're going to remember that we, uh, that one of our, our number saw, uh, had a powerful dream in which people were caught up in a heavenly worship in this place. And they were sent out under the power of the Holy Spirit, having been baptized. uh, And the power of God was poured out upon this city. That is what we're remembering today. And it's in remembering that, that we're we're fired up and we're inspired to keep praying, to keep acting, to keep joining with God. We are to remember all the things God has said. We are to remember all the things God has done. That's what's happening in Deuteronomy 8. Don't forget, Moses says, remember how the Lord your God, verse 2, led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Remember, don't forget. Remember what God has done for the Israelites. This was about rescue from Egypt. This was about being led in the wilderness. This was about being provided water from a rock, bread from heaven. It's powerful stuff. For us, it's about being provided this building. A building that we didn't know anything about, but God had sent somebody to pray for for two whole years before we even got wind of it. Let me say that again. There was somebody praying outside this building. Some of you don't know this story. There was somebody praying outside this building every Sunday for two whole years before the Church of England bought it. Longer. From the early 2012. And we only caught hold of it in the Church of England bought this building in the mid-2016. Somebody was praying for this building that it would be a house of God from 2012 because they saw in a dream this as a place of worship. How could we not remember that? How could we not remember that? And so what we're doing when we remember that is that this wasn't some uh, strategic person's idea. Certainly wasn't Amy or ours. We didn't even plan to be here. We, as we said, as Amy said a few weeks ago, we tried to go back to America to start a church there. We were blocked. Will and Vicky almost ended up in Durham, and many of you probably didn't imagine that you would have ended up in a Church of England church in the middle of Nottingham. And the Pentecostals are nodding at me. They're like, "Amen, amen." <laughs> it's true. It's true. 
We remember, we didn't know this. We, we, we wanted to call this church Trinity Church Nottingham. We didn't really know why, but it's the only name that really connected when we were trying to find a name. Uh, and we weren't allowed to because other churches in the city uh, were called Trinity. I won't get into the politics of it. Uh, but we were told that that wasn't a name we were allowed until, and we just, we just knew it had to be that. Nothing else, nothing else just resonated, nothing else fit. And one night, late at night, the bishop was uh, in bed on his iPad and he found, he found, doing some research, he found that there was indeed a church called Holy Trinity Nottingham, which was known as Trinity Church Nottingham. It was started in about the 1840s, early 1840s, and it, and it closed in the 1950s. It was called Trinity Church Nottingham, and it met where now uh, Trinity Square Car Park is. We didn't know any of this. We didn't know that we were actually catching up with what God had been doing, that, that this church was a, a re-beginning. It was a resurrection church. It was, a, it was a, us continuing the mission of that church. We had no idea. And we would have loved it. We would have loved to claim the strategy of it, but we didn't even know about it. I have my own story of remembering. Yesterday, one of the questions now asked me on our conversation was, when did you know? I think probably she was straying a little bit off the questions in front of her <laughs> on her spreadsheet at this point. I don't know. I think we were like 30 minutes in. I think she probably deleted the spreadsheet at this point. Thank you, Nell, for that, if you're listening. She said, when did you know that you were going to do what you now do? Uh, and I said to her, are you asking because... You know, this is one of the questions you're supposed to ask. And she said, no, 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 I'm just interested. And in answer to that question, I was able to tell her my whole story. And I began at university, which where she was now sitting, asking me this question. I said, look, I, not so many words, but I, I, probably more words, actually. I said, you know, I, I went to university convinced that I was going to take the world for Jesus. And I left in bits, in pieces. My faith was in pieces. And there are lots of reasons for that, but I really got lost in that time. I, I just, I actually, I fell apart in lots of different ways. And it was through that, Nell, I said. It was through that story. Uh, I, what happened really was that I gave up on God. I'd, I'd been a good Christian boy my whole life, and I just couldn't do it anymore. I burned out. And it was through that, Nell, for the first time I experienced something that Christians call grace. See, I always thought it was about how, how tight my grip on God was. And through that whole story, I found out that it was about how tight God gripped onto me. I'd never known that before. And as I was talking to her, I was remembering. I was remembering how good God had been. I was remembering that God is a, a kind and loving father. He's not a, a brutal school teacher looking to cane you when you get it wrong. That's not what God is like. God is the God who looks like Jesus, who talks like Jesus, who acts like Jesus. So how do we remember? Got to remember. How do we remember? The first thing we do, the first thing we do is to tell stories. There are so many stories in this room. Uh, so many stories of things that God has done. And after the service, when we're sharing a meal together, we're going to give an opportunity for a number of different people, if you feel led to share a story. But I do have a couple uh, one, one story we just want to share this morning as an example. So if Adam, are you ready? Amy, are you, are you about the place? I don't know if Amy's here as well, but Adam, why don't you come forward? Amy's going to go and get to other Amy. Adam, come forward. Why don't we welcome Adam? Woo! 
uh, now Adam. But just so, just so you know, that Adam is, uh, well, Adam and Amy are wonderful. There's no particular reason that uh, they're sharing other than the rest of you. Uh, Adam happens to be a great friend of mine and I think is one of the finest men. Uh, but uh, we'd love to hear everybody's story. But I just thought it'd be great to hear a bit of Adam and Amy's story. And while Amy's coming... Uh, with other Amy. Why don't we have some fun? And maybe you could tell us a little bit, before we go into the last year, just a, a general piece of how you even ended up in Nottingham, because you're not from here. That's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> I was hoping to sort of stand behind Amy and she sort of lead us. <laughs> well, here she is, but you can't stand behind her. Come and on, I Amy, come sort on up. nod my head along. Um, how did we end up in Nottingham? Um, we <clears throat> returned to um, Amy's sort of hometown where she grew up in St Albans in Hertfordshire. Um, and uh, her parents blessed us um, by um, renting their home to us. Um, and that was sort of at a um, sort of discounted rate for a little while, but that <laughs> kind of period was coming to an end, and what we realised was where we'd built our life, we couldn't really afford to be there. And um, we hadn't really started thinking about a plan, we just started panicking about that fact, hadn't we? Um, but um, we took a day trip to our friends in Leeds and, and we came away from Leeds and we just realised that um, St Albans and London in general isn't the edge of the earth um, and that we, you know, there are other places to be and then that got us thinking and then we came and visited here because we knew a few people and we just came away and just said, I think the feeling was, I mean, we didn't say this then, but I think the feeling was we're sort of driving away from our home really wow um yeah that's amazing can i can i take one step back i didn't say that i was going to do this but to get to even that point was was quite a journey for you guys yeah. i'm we first met in uh, southfields in sort of southwest london having a, a meal yeah. and at that point um you weren't part of the church you weren't no. following jesus in brief i'd love to hear just a little bit about mm. that because that's part of your sure. remembering isn't it yeah what's um, that about what happened <laughs> Well, the problem with marrying a Christian is you end up either one of you stopping the other one going or getting dragged along. So, uh, um, so yeah, for a long time, I sort of went along to Holy Trinity Brompton and other churches and enjoyed the worship, um, enjoyed the music, um, benefited from being a part of that community. Um, but, yeah, I think... God took his time, and I think that was right for me. Mm. Like, I think, I hope, that this probably rings true with a lot of people, like, timing, timing has been, is the ongoing narrative that mm. I think God makes us wait, makes us patient. Wow. Um, yeah. What switched? What, what, what happened? <laughs> I, that's the thing. I wouldn't say there was a switch. I would say it was just a gradual... Mm. Probably there was a moment of breaking down to rebuild from that point. Mm. But even from that point, it continued to be sort of a gradual like story. And mm. I would even say now, I'm in the beginnings mm. of a massive journey. But I'm sort of content with that. I think that's what it's all about. Wonderful. Do you want to say something? <laughs> yeah, Amy, let, let me ask Amy... Like narrowing down a bit on sort of the last year, because that's, yeah, we want to remember together today. Are there particular memories, maybe there's a couple of particular memories, and then maybe out of that, what, that, what, what, have, what special things have they captured? Themes mm. maybe, or experiences? 
yeah, I knew you were going to ask us some questions, so I thought about it for a little bit um, yesterday, and I think the two things that came to mind, and then a couple of little sort of examples, were um, just the theme of community um, and our kids, I think are the two things that really kind of sprung to mind, and I think for community, I think we'd kind of, we quite, I mean, Adam's an incredible cook, so I invite people over and he cooks for them. Like, that's always been, <laughs> that's always been our marriage. But I feel like here, um, what we've really found is, um, and I think that's been a huge part of Adam's journey, is to really see people's faith in the day-to-day mm. um, and to actually invite people over who not only just wanted to eat with us and hang out with us, but actually wanted to invest in us and learn about us and you know, a huge part of this year for us has been buying a home. And I would say 18 months ago when we were down south, we thought, oh my goodness, we've had too many children. (laughs) We can't fit them all in a building that we can afford. And that was a huge part of this year for us. And we, without really trying, quite a lot of people here found out that we were really struggling, that we didn't know if we could afford a home. And just by having those people in our home, people start to ask us, what can we pray for? How can we get alongside you? What do you need? Um, and I think for us, it made buying a home a real journey of prayer, um, which was amazing because it taught us a lot through people just coming into our house. So that was one. And then um, that other one is our children. I think we, neither of us grew up in a church, neither of us have Christian families, you know, Easter, Christmas, those sorts of things aren't big sort of Christian occasions for us as families. Um, and so for us, children's church is where they're going to learn not only about faith and those sorts of things, but look up to Christian people and see Christian families and Christian adults. And that's been a huge part of what we want church to be for us. And I think We've got three really different characters and really different children. And there was just this one time, our son Reuben, he's six and he loves worship, um, but sort of struggles with some of the other bits of kids' church. He's um, quite reserved. He doesn't necessarily love being with a big bunch of other kids. And sometimes getting him into kids' church can be a real struggle. And so we sort of come up with this little compromise that he can stay and watch the big worship and be with me for the, for, the, for the worship, and then he goes into kids' church. And um, there was one week where I was feeling really bad about that. I was like, oh, he's, you know, he's disrupted to kids' church. That's where he should be. I'm kind of wimping out on getting him into kids' church when it's hard. And, and Jonathan, actually, Shearman, saw us and said, oh, like, how come Reuben's not in kids' church right now? And I think my gut was like, oh, no. And then I said, oh, um, he, just, he just wants to be in the singing with me. And he said to Reuben, he was like, oh, Reuben, like, I love worship too. And for me, that's where I meet Jesus. And I just think that was amazing because it really spoke into his life. Um, but it also was just really wonderful to know that our kids were being noticed. And that's a big part of church for us. Wonderful. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was, I was now I'm ready to sort of, I'm warmed up. <laughs> Hey, sit comfy, guys. Just getting going. Um, yeah, I think um, the big things have been that, you know, there, there are lots of little stories and, and, and there are lots of big stories. And it's things like when we arrived here, we did feel like we'd come home. We did feel like we'd landed in our family. And, you know, when we arrived, there were sort of eight people outside the front door ready to bundle everything in. And when we moved from our house in West Bridgeford to the Carrington Place, 
it, while we weren't there, eight cars of various different people pulled up outside and bundled stuff in and got it over to the other house. Um, and I think, you know, the bigger narrative on that, and I think this is the bit I hope that kind of speaks to people, is that, and this is what you were saying in the car yesterday, you know, all that stuff is sort of stories that are relevant to us and maybe some people relate to them, but what I think is relevant to everyone was the little yeses. It was the little yes to say going to Nottingham when that seemed like a crazy idea. It was the yes to Amy's job. It was the yes to inviting people into our home that we hadn't met before and maybe thought we were a bit weird. You know, it was all those little yeses. And I think the favour has just been a reflection of that sort of obedience. And also, I think the other big thing is that everyone we've encountered here who's been kind of part of that journey with us and rooting for us have just been the best kind of vessels for God's love. Um, and when I think about it, that's what's in my mind. Mm. It's just like the expression of God's love through the people around us. Amazing. Praise God. Why don't we thank them? <laughs> Second way, uh, the first way that we remember is we tell stories. And the second way is, what is that we remember is by celebrating. We share meals. Uh, that's what it looks like. And the people of God had the Passover meal. The Israelites had the Passover meal to remember uh, the Exodus. And we have a meal as well and a celebration. We're going to celebrate, as Amy said, after uh, with a, a, a lengthened meal, some food over there. All of you are welcome to stay. Uh, but we're going to celebrate um, and continue our celebration just by remembering Jesus now together. And so why don't we just take um, two or three minutes in quiet. Uh, there's so little of it in our world, isn't there? Let's just invite the presence of Jesus. You might want to close your eyes if that's easier for you.